Section 5 of Great Ghost Stories by Joseph Lewis French. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 5 The Roll Call of the Reef, Part 2. Now, the first time that this man, William Talifer, he called himself, met with the drummer boy, was about a fortnight after the little chap had bettered enough to be allowed a short walk out of doors, which he took, if you please, in full regimentals. There never was a soldier so proud of his dress. His own suit had shrunk a brave bit with the salt water, but into ordinary frock and corduroy he declared he would not get not if he had to go naked the rest of his life. So my father, being a good-natured man and handy with the needle, turned to and repaired damages with a piece or two of scarlet cloth cut from the jacket of one of the drowned marines. Well, the poor little chap chanced to be standing in this rig-out down by the gate of Gunner's Meadow, where they had buried two score and over of his comrades. The morning was a fine one, early in March month, and along came the cracked trumpeter, likewise taking a stroll. Hello, says he. Good morning. And what might you be doing here? I was a-wishin', says the boy. I had a pair of drumsticks. Our lads were buried yonder without so much as a drum tapped or a musket fired, and that's not Christian burial for British soldiers. What? says the trumpeter, and spat on the ground. A parcel of marines. The boy eyed him a second or so, and answered up. If I'd a tav a turf handy, I'd bung it at your mouth, you greasy cavalryman, and learn you to speak respectful of your betters. The marines are the handiest body of men in the service. The trumpeter looked down on him from the height of six foot two and asked, Did they die well? They died very well. There was a lot of running to and fro at first, and some of the men began to cry and a few to strip off their clothes. But when the ship fell off for the last time, Captain Maine turned and said something to Major Griffiths, the commanding officer on board, and the Major called out to me to beat to quarters. It might have been for a wedding, he sang it so cheerful. We'd had word already that twas to be parade order, and the men fell in as trim and decent as if they were going to church. One or two even tried to shave at the last moment. The major wore his medals. One of the seamen, seeing I had work to keep the drum steady, the sling being a bit loose for me and the wind what you remember, lashed it tight with a piece of rope, and that saved my life afterward, a drum being as good as cork until it stove. I kept beating away until every man was on deck, and then the major formed them up 
and told them to die like British soldiers, and the chaplain was in the middle of a prayer when she struck. In ten minutes she was gone. That was how they died, cavalrymen. And that was very well done, drummer of the Marines. What's your name? John Christian. Mine's William George Talifer, trumpeter of the Seventh Light Dragoons, the Queen's Own. I played God Save the King while our men were drowning. Captain Duncanfield told me to sound a call or two to put them in heart. But that matter of God Save the King was a notion of my own. I won't say to hurt the feelings of a Marine, even if he's not much over five foot tall, but the Queen's own hussars is a tearin' fine regiment. As between horse and foot, tis a question of which gets a chance. All the way from Sahugan to Karuna, twas we that took and gave the knocks at Mayorga and Rueda and Beneventi. The reason, sir, I can speak the name so pat is that my father learned them by heart afterward from the trumpeter, who was always talking about Mayorga and Rueda and Beneventi. We made the rear guard after General Paget and drove the French every time, and all the infantry did was to sit about in wine-shops till we whipped em out, and steal and straggle and play the tomfool in general. And when it came to a stand-up fight at Karuna, twas we that had to stay seasick aboard the transports and watch the infantry in the thick of the caper. Very well they behaved, too, especially the 4th Regiment, and the forty-second Highlanders, and the dirty half-hundred. Oh, aye, they're decent regiments, all three. But the Queen's own hussars is a tearin' fine regiment. So you played on your drum when the ship was going down? Drummer John Christian, I'll have to get you a new pair of sticks. The very next day the trumpeter marched into Helston, and got a carpenter there to turn him a pair of boxwood drumsticks for the boy. And this was the beginning of one of the most curious friendships you ever heard tell of. Nothing delighted the pair more than to borrow a boat off my father and pull out to the rocks where the primrose and the despatch had struck and sunk and on still days twas pretty to hear them out there off the manacles, the drummer playing his tattoo, for they always took their music with them, and the trumpeter practicing calls and making his trumpet speak like an angel. But if the weather turned roughish, they'd be walking together and talking. Leastwise the youngster listened, while the other discoursed about Sir John's campaign in Spain and Portugal, telling how each little skirmish befell, and of Sir John himself, and General Baird, and General Paget, and Colonel Vivian, his own commanding officer, and what kind of men they were, and of the last bloody stand-up at Karuna, and so forth as if neither could have enough. 
but all this had to come to an end in the late summer for the boy john christian being now well and strong again must go up to plymouth to report himself twas his own wish for i believe king george had forgotten all about him but his friend wouldn't hold him back as for the trumpeter my father had made an arrangement to take him on as lodger as soon as the boy left and on the morning fixed for the start he was up at the door here by five o'clock with his trumpet slung by his side and all the rest of his belongings in a small valise a monday morning it was and after breakfast he had fixed to walk with the boy some way on the road toward Helston, where the coach started. My father left them at breakfast together and went out to meet the pig and do a few odd morning jobs of that sort. When he came back, the boy was still at table, and the trumpeter sat with the rings in his hands hitched together just as they be at this moment. "'Look at this,' he says to my father, showing him the lock. "'I picked it up off a starving brass worker in Lisbon, "'and it is not one of your common locks "'that one word of six letters will open at a time. "'There's genius in this lock, "'for you've only to make the ring spell any six-letter word you please "'and snap down the lock upon that, "'and never a soul can open it, not the maker even, until somebody comes along that knows the word you snapped it on. Now Johnny hears going, and he leaves his drum behind him, for though he can make pretty music on it, the parchment sags in wet weather by reason of the sea water getting at it. And if he carries it to Plymouth, they'll only condemn it and give him another. And as for me, I shan't have the heart to put lip to the trumpet any more when Johnny's gone. So we've chosen a word together and locked em together upon that. And by your leave, I'll hang em here together on the hook over your fireplace. Maybe Johnny'll come back, maybe not. Maybe, if he comes, I'll be dead and gone, and he'll take em apart and try their music for old sake's sake. But if he never comes, nobody can separate em, for nobody beside knows the word. And if you marry and have sons, you can tell em that here are tied together the souls of Johnny Christian, drummer of the Marines, and William George Talifer, once trumpeter of the Queen's own hussars. Amen. With that, he hung the two instruments upon the hook there, and the boy stood up and thanked my father and shook hands, and the pair went out of the door toward Helston. Somewhere on the road they took leave of one another, but nobody saw the parting, nor heard what was said between them. About three in the afternoon the trumpeter came walking back over the hill, and by the time my father came home from the fishing, the cottage was tidied up and the tea ready, and the whole place shining like a new pin. From that time for five years he lodged here with my father. 
looking after the house and tilling the garden, and all the time he was steadily failing, the hurt in his head spreading in a manner to his limbs. My father watched the feebleness growing on him, but said nothing, and from first to last neither spake a word about the drummer John Christian, nor did any letter reach them, nor word of his doings. The rest of the tale you are free to believe, sir, or not, as you please. It stands upon my father's words, and he always declared he was ready to kiss the book upon it before judge and jury. He said, too, that he never had the wit to make up such a yarn, and he defied anyone to explain about the lock, in particular, by any other tale. But you shall judge for yourself. My father said that about three o'clock in the morning, April 14th, of the year 14, he and William Talifer was sitting here, just as you and I, sir, are sitting now. My father had put on his clothes a few minutes before, and was mending his spiller by the light of the horn-lantern, meaning to set off before daylight to haul the trammel. The trumpeter hadn't been to bed at all. Toward the last, he mostly spent his nights, and his days, too, dozing in the elbow-chair where you sit at this minute. He was dozing then, my father said, with his chin dropped forward on his chest, when a knock sounded upon the door, and the door opened, and in walked an upright young man in scarlet regimentals. He had grown a brave bit, and his face the color of wood ashes, but it was the drummer, John Christian. Only his uniform was different from the one he used to wear, and the figures thirty-eight shone in brass upon his collar. The drummer walked past my father as if he never saw him, and stood by the elbow-chair and said, "'Trumpeter, trumpeter, are you one with me?' and the trumpeter just lifted the lids of his eyes and answered, "'How should I not be one with you, drummer Johnny, Johnny boy? If you come, I count. If you march, I mark time, until the discharge comes.' "'The discharge has come to-night,' said the drummer, "'and the word is Karuna no longer.' and stepping to the chimney-place, he unhooked the drum and trumpet, and began to twist the brass rings of the lock, spelling the word aloud so, C-O-R-U-N-A. When he had fixed the last letter, the padlock opened in his hand. Did you know, trumpeter, that when I came to Plymouth, they put me into a line regiment? The 38th is a good regiment, answered the old hussar, still in his dull voice. I went back with them from Sahagan to Karuna. At Karuna they stood in General Eraser's division on the right, 
they behaved well. But I'd fain see the Marines again, says the drummer, handing him the trumpet. And you, you shall call once more for the Queen's own. Matthew, he says suddenly, turning on my father. And when he turned, my father saw for the first time that his scarlet jacket had a round hole by the breastbone, and that the blood was welling there. Matthew, we shall want your boat. And my father rose on his legs like a man in a dream, while the two slung on, the one his drum, and t'other his trumpet. He took the lantern and went quaking before them down to the shore, and they breathed heavily behind him, and they stepped into his boat, and my father pushed off. "'Row you first for Dolor Point,' says the drummer. So my father rowed them past the white houses of Kovrak to Dolor Point, and there, at a word, lay on his oars. And the trumpeter, William Talifer, put his trumpet to his mouth and sounded the reveille. The music of it was like rivers running. "'They will follow,' says the drummer. "'Matthew, pull you now for the manacles.' So my father pulled for the manacles, and came to an easy close outside Carndu, and the drummer took his sticks and beat a tattoo, there by the edge of the reef, and the music of it was like a rolling chariot. That will do, he says, breaking off. They will follow. Pull now for the shore under Gunner's Meadow. Then my father pulled for the shore and ran his boat in under Gunner's Meadow. And they stepped out, all three, and walked up to the meadow. By the gate the drummer halted and began his tattoo again looking outward the darkness over the sea. And while the drum beat and my father held his breath, there came up out of the sea and the darkness a troop of many men, horse and foot, and formed up among the graves, and others rose out of the graves and formed up, drowned marines with bleached faces, and pale hussars riding their horses, all lean and shadowy. There was no clatter of hoofs or accoutrements, my father said, but a soft sound all the while, like the beating of a bird's wing, and a black shadow lay like a pool about the feet of all. The drummer stood upon a little knoll just inside the gate, and beside him the tall trumpeter, with hand on hip, watching them gather, and behind them both my father clinging to the gate. When no more came, the drummer stopped playing and said, Call the roll. Then the trumpeter stepped toward the end man of the rank and called, Troop Sergeant Major Thomas Irons. And the man answered in a thin voice, here troop sergeant major thomas irons how is it with you 
the man answered how should it be with me when i was young i betrayed a girl and when i was grown i betrayed a friend and for these i must pay but i died as a man ought god save the king the trumpeter called to the next man trooper henry buckingham and the next man answered here trooper henry buckingham how is it with you how should it be with me i was a drunkard and i stole and in lugo in a wine shop i killed a man but i died as a man should god save the king so the trumpeter went down the line and when he had finished the drummer took it up hailing the dead marines in their order each man answered to his name and each man ended with god save the king when all were hailed the drummer stepped backward to his mound and called it is well you are content and we are content to join you wait now a little while with this he turned and ordered my father to pick up the lantern and lead the way back as my father picked it up he heard the ranks of the dead men cheer and call god save the king all together and saw them waver and fade back into the dark like a breath fading off a pane but when they came back here to the kitchen and my father set the lantern down it seemed they'd both forgot about him for the drummer turned in the lantern light and my father could see the blood still welling out of the hole in his breast and took the trumpet sling from around the other's neck and locked drum and trumpet together again choosing the letters on the lock very carefully while he did this he said the word is no more karuna but bayonne as you left out an n in karuna so must i leave out an n in bayonne and before snapping the padlock he spelt out the word slowly b a y o n e after that he used no more speech but turned and hung the two instruments back on the hook and then took the trumpeter by the arm and the pair walked out into the darkness glancing neither to right nor left my father was on the point of following when he heard a sort of sigh behind him and there sitting in the elbow chair was the very trumpeter he had just seen walk out by the door if my father's heart jumped before you may believe it jumped quicker now but after a bit he went up to the man asleep in the chair and put a hand upon him it was the trumpeter in flesh and blood that he touched. But though the flesh was warm, the trumpeter was dead. Well, sir, 
They buried him three days after, and at first my father was minded to say nothing about his dream as he thought it. But the day after the funeral, he met Parson Kendall coming from Helston Market, and the parson called out, "'Have ye heard the news the coach brought down this morning?' "'What news?' says my father. "'Why, that peace is agreed upon.' "'None too soon,' says my father. "'Not soon enough for our poor lads at Bayonne.' "'The parson answered. "'Bayonne!' cries my father with a jump. "'Why, yes.' and the parson told him all about a great sally the French had made on the night of April 13th. "'Do you happen to know if the 38th Regiment was engaged?' my father asked. "'Come now,' said Parson Kendall. "'I didn't know you was so well up in the campaign. "'But, as it happens, I do know that the thirty-eighth was engaged, for twas they that held a cottage and stopped the French advance. Still my father held his tongue, and when, a week later, he walked into Helston and bought a mercury off the Sherborne rider and got the landlord of the Angel to spell out the list of killed and wounded, sure enough— there among the killed was drummer John Christian of the 38th foot. After this, there was nothing for a religious man but to make a clean breast. So my father went up to Parson Kendall and told the whole story. The parson listened and put a question or two and then asked, Have you tried to open the lock since that night? I haven't dared to touch it, said my father. Then come along and try. When the parson came to the cottage here, he took the things off the hook and tried the lock. Did he say Bayonne? The word has seven letters. Not if you spell it with one N as he did, says my father. The parson spelled it out, B-A-Y-O-N-E. Phew, says he, for the lock has fallen open in his hand. He stood considering it a moment, and then he says, I tell you what, I shouldn't blab this all around the parish if I was you. You won't get no credit for truth-telling, and a miracle's wasted on a set of fools. But if you like, I'll shut down the lock again upon a holy word that no one but me shall know, and neither drummer nor trumpeter, dead or alive, shall frighten the secret out of me. I wish to heaven you would, parson, said my father. The parson chose the holy word there and then, and shut the lock upon it, and hung the drum and trumpet back in their place. He is gone long since, taking the word with him, and till the lock is broken by force, 
nobody will ever separate these two. End of Section 5 The Roll Call of the Reef Part 2 by A.T. Quiller Couch